Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Interjections, fresh off a beautiful 4-0 victory over Udinese. I've got Miko, Jay, and Irfan with me. Miko, what's going on? Good, good. Yesterday, the match, it, it was spectacular, to say the least. No issues, no issues, and it, it our game looks so good. So, yeah, feeling great. Jay, I know it's mid, It's around midnight your time, 11, 11 p.m. your time. How are you hanging in there? Yeah, very well, thanks. Um, today was quite hot, and yesterday was 43 degrees Celsius. I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit, like 650 or something. Um, <laughs> so it was really uh, you know, a nice way to end a hot day with a, a great performance against Udinese. Um, you know, I was telling you guys in the in our group chat that I'm, I'm, I'm almost fearful of enjoying the moment too much. You know, we had a fantastic, fantastic game. game. It was uh, enjoyable and entertaining football. Um, spirits are high. There was that whole thing with Pavard and Turam after the game, which was nice to see. Uh, and then, of course, um, Luis Muriel gave us a fantastic early Christmas gift. Um, and on top of that, Samanzic was, you know, was pretty bad as well. So, like... You know, you know what I mean? Everything was so good. It just felt, I was like, I was cautious to enjoy it too much. Uh, the only thing that really didn't fall our way this week was the Juventus fixture result, but we, we can get to that later. Irfan, hmm. on the flip side, six in the morning, your time. Good morning. How are you doing? <laughs> good morning, gents. Uh, doing great. Um, makes it a lot easier to wake up uh, this early after such a great performance and, uh, like Jay mentioned, Luis Muriel for the win. And um, too bad Napoli couldn't help us out. But uh, as far as results go, um, our match, awesome. Um, true kind of champagne football coming from Inzaghi. So it was uh, it was quite, quite a nice uh, thing to see. Yeah, to your point, waking up and recording this podcast at 6 in the morning, fresh off a 2-1 loss to Sassuolo, just wouldn't have the same ring to it. <laughs> Definitely not. Let's dive into it. it. This this game was over at halftime, which is always a beautiful thing. Just truly played Udinese off the pitch from really the first minute of the game. It was just chance after chance. Started off early with Lotaro post off a header. He eventually won us the penalty that put us in front. It, it was pure domination. You, Like I said, by halftime, the match was over which was just great from a timing perspective, given how beat up the team is on injury standpoints and with how big of a fixture we have coming up on Tuesday. So, Miko, as you look at what what went right in the first half, what do you think was the key to scoring three goals before the break? Yeah, we had we had pretty good start, like, like you said. From the beginning, we started like, well, not pounding them, but like coming after them right, right there, and and um, I would say that um, the penalty call, with like which like started the whole thing eventually. Uh, I want to get your guys' thoughts. What did you make of that? Because that, like, like I said, that that started the whole thing, even though we were like dominating them from the beginning 
that, that was still kind of a kind of a episode which which probably uh, affected Udinese in a sense. So I want to get your thoughts. How you guys thought about the penalty call? Yeah, if I was not an Inter fan, I don't know how I'd feel about it. I think there was a pretty blatant pull on Lataro. It's just always hard to know, like watching on TV, how much of it was forceful versus how much of it is the player feels contact and goes down. I don't, I'm not too upset with the call. I, I don't think it was egregious. I I feel like I've seen softer things. Uh, let me rephrase this. I think I've seen more egregious penalties awarded before in my life. But let's the way the cross was coming in, Lataro was going to have a free run on the ball. And I think you can make an argument that by the Udinese player pulling him back, he prevented him from putting his foot to the ball and getting a shot on net. So I, I'm fine with it. The thing that it's about Italian referees that bothers me is like you'll see a situation in the box where like a player blatantly pulls another player's shirt, and Italian refs normally won't call that in the box. This wasn't all that different than pulling a shirt. It was like he pulled him by the shoulder, I think. So yeah, I'm obviously as an Inter fan, I'm not too upset about the penalty decision, but and I see why they rewarded it. But yeah, to your point, Miko probably. Part of the reason why the floodgates open so early. Andrew, you said if you weren't an interfan, you don't know how you'd feel about it. I think if you weren't an interfan, you'd be really annoyed at your own defender for for, for making that challenge. It reminded me strongly of uh, Ashley Young giving away a penalty against Juventus. Um, a similar situation. They they hit a cross, which was way overhit. The attacker was never going to reach the ball. I, I tried to see the replay from as many different angles as I can. He's not going to make contact with the ball. So it's needless for the defender to try and to try and impede him, right? Uh, but he did because I guess he didn't have a good gauge of where the ball was and whether Lataro was going to get there. So he just kind of instinctively uh, tugged him back and then the ref had no choice but to give the penalty. And like I said, really similar to Ashley Young against uh, Juventus a few years back and the, the sentiment is, if it's your player, you're thinking, why you? Why would you do this? There's no risk there. In fact, Lautaro did the same thing against Bologna, right? From a corner kick, ball's coming way over his head, but the player he's marking makes a run towards the near post, and Lautaro instinctively kind of uh, just tries to tries to restrain him or, or make it a bit difficult for him. Goes slightly too far in the heat of the moment, and it's a penalty, so... You can't really argue against the call too much. It's a weak penalty in the fact that it's, again, there's no goal-scoring threat, so it's pointless for it to happen. A needless penalty for, from the Udinese perspective, but had to be given. Yeah, yeah. let me just re- Sorry, just to cut you off. Yeah. Let me just recant yeah, my previous statement. I watched the replay of this. There was no effing way Lotaro was getting on the end of this cross. Let me yeah. just get, get that in there. All right, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was actually going to say that. I, I think that was the one thing that that struck me which was that it really didn't seem like there was an actual goal scoring threat there like the the cross was pretty overhit he was pretty behind it i mean he he definitely sold sold the contact there's no denying that um but there was there was actual contact and i think the ref probably had in mind that given the 
kind of amount, like, you know, because Lotaro was pretty much in a full sprint at that point. And so even a little bit of contact um, there can result in, you know, really kind of offsetting somebody. So I think that was probably part of the, the context. I think the only thing like, from a neutral perspective that, that makes it seem a little ridiculous, ridiculous was that we've been getting like a lot of penalty calls this year. And I, I can't think of many that weren't pretty obviously deserved. Um, but just from a sheer stats point of view, um, I'm pretty sure we're leading the league in, in penalties drawn. Um, and I've like vociferously complained about that when other teams are kind of disproportionately getting penalty calls, even if some of them might be deserved because it just seems kind of odd. Um, so I'm really curious, um, you know, if that kind of plays into kind of the more macro analysis of whether that was a penalty or not, but, you know, just look, looking at like the facts kind of on the ground, um, I, I agree. Like it's one of those calls where there's blatant contact. It was definitely oversold. Um, but you're kind of just shaking your head at the defender thinking so unnecessary for you to even initiate any type of contact. It is also one of those moments where you're like, if this was, you know, more players in motion, uh, sorry, if this was like more players, like static, like off a penalty, uh, off a uh, corner kick or something, it probably never gets called. But in the run of open play, I kind of feel like um, that played into why it was called as well. Cause on like a uh, corner kick, that kind of like a pull is probably happening pretty consistently um and not called so that's another thing i think that you know for others might be a little kind of infuriating to watch yeah i i checked that myself as well and yeah i gotta admit that yeah no way larger i would have got that during the match when i was watching the replays i thought that well we can't be sure but yeah i think he wouldn't have got that anyway but uh, but as Jay mentioned about the, well, what was it? A few years ago, the the Juventus match and the Bernadeschi overhit the cross and that, that was like way more blatant that no one's going to get that ball compared to this one. And, uh, and yeah, I think that about the, about the actual foul, I think that was very very clear foul in a sense that Lautaro is running like full speed and if you like put your hand to the shoulder and like pull even a little that will like restrict the speed a lot so of course he goes to the ground there so I don't see I don't see anything wrong with calling that but but maybe that that's a bit of a like a so-so call in a sense that if the player can't get the ball, is it like fair to call that a foul? But I guess that's the that's the way to, they do there, because because we saw the the young Ashley Young uh, situation a few years back and so on as a, as an example. One thing I will say was that Lautaro was really really switched on. He knew that the ball was overhit and that he wasn't getting it. But as soon as he felt that tug, he went down and made a big deal about, hey, this guy's just fouled me. And this is a penalty, even though there was no, uh, there was no like danger for, for the Udinese defense. But Lautaro was, I guess you can call it gamesmanship. 
he smartly went down there. I just want to go back to like the ninth minute of the game where that was where Lataro hit the post from a header. He receives a ball, uh, directs it to DeMarco, and then essentially plays like a long one-two where DeMarco's cross uh, reaches Lataro, who heads onto the post. It was, uh, was super impressive. The more I watch him, the more I feel like he's really, really uh, differentiating himself in that in that area, I feel like he's he's always been a great off the ball striker, but his movement these days just seems like so. What I'm looking for here it just seems kind of very visibly elite in the same way that you see someone like Haaland and you can tell this guy's just got elite finishing. I feel the same way when you watch Lataro just roaming and kind of marauding off the ball, uh, and I'll finish by by using the Taram goal as an example. Actually, in that play. There's a few different, uh, th- few different movements. There's Bastoni has the ball, who and then Bastoni offlays it uh, to Demarco on the left, who pulls it rather than crossing it. He pulls it back for Mikatarian, who plays in this first time, beautiful kind of looped, disguised kind of pass. Right at each point in that play, uh, so when Bastoni has the ball. Lautaro drags the defender and shifts towards Bastoni to make himself available as like the kind of shorter option in the box. When Bastoni lays it off for DiMarco, Lautaro does the same thing. He kind of uh, changes his positioning and makes a move towards DiMarco. When DiMarco pulls it back, Lautaro gets onside straight away and runs towards Mikatarian offering like the the direct vertical ball in should Mkhitaryan choose to play it. Meanwhile, Taram's at the far post making that run or being aware of a potential long ball to the far post, which is obviously what ended up resulting in the goal. So I just wanted to really highlight that phase in particular as a demonstration of Lataro's movement. I think he's coming on uh, just amazingly in that sense and as finishing too. So, you know, we're seeing what is hopefully the the realization of a complete striker and i i'm just i'm I'm here for the ride i'm enjoying it on the third goal you're mentioning too like by him making himself available from mkhitaryan it created the room necessary for them to put in the cross over the top to get to taram like if lataro would have stayed where he was that cross would have been congested there would have been two defenders in the area by him slightly dragging himself forward, it like created the vertical room necessary to get that thing over the top. And even on the even on the second goal, which was just DeMarco side footing it into the nets, if you look, Lataro's wide open making a far post run, and if DeMarco would have instead chosen to put in a maybe lower cross, like it's a, it's a tap in for Lotaro. So yeah, his yeah, off right movement there. was pristine. Yeah, yeah, he's right there knowing that um if DeMarco's cross or sorry if DeMarco crosses like you said, or if that or if that shot gets deflected or, or sorry, saved by the keeper, he's right there for the tap in. So I love when players have this humility to just do these like dare I say elementary, just kind of basics right, you know? I, I remember like Cambiasso used to be so kind of like keen, kind of nerdy about it, you know, at corners, he'd always be moving in a certain way. Uh, When attacking, he'd be, you know, creeping forward in a certain way and inching himself forward. And that's why he'd score so many of these, like, uh, you know, 
rebounds from a goalkeeper save. It's some players just kind of like Lukaku is a prime example. It's just like, oh, I didn't get past her. His shoulders drop and he kind of slowly walks back on side. He's not switched on. He's not ready for it. But Lataro has always been just, he's, he's never too good to do these little basics, you know, correctly. And it, I think it's a huge part of his game. Yeah, like impacting the match without the ball at your feet is something Lukaku would not do. If we didn't pass him the ball, he would not get involved. He he didn't he never really made the connection on how his aside from making runs, he never really made the connection on how his positioning, his movement impacts the play the way Lataro has kind of figured out. Absolutely. Irfan, I I want to get your perspective. So Everyone played well in the first half. I, there's honestly no one we can speak ill of, but the guy I want to call out is Basak, who had his first ever start in a league match. I think he played the whole 90 minutes, or at least he played. I, I can't recall if he got subbed or not, but regardless, he played, I thought, really well. We kept a clean sheet, obviously, and th- this was much needed with all the injuries going on in the back. We, we needed someone to step up, and this is kind of beginning to look like a bit of a shrewd signing. I don't know if you can find someone for six, seven million bucks who can, you know, step in and play at this level. So just th- thoughts on Basak's performance. He was um, very impressive. Uh, I, I was actually going to call him out if you hadn't asked me about it, but he, uh, in the first half and in general, he, he looked totally comfortable. Uh, he didn't look passive at all. He was making the right tackles. He was, you know, like megging people, moving forward, adding, uh, you know, like a little bit of dynamic uh, um, attacking talent. You could see a little bit as well. He honestly looked a lot like what kind of prime Bastoni looks like when Bastoni switched on, um, you know, kind of moving forward and um, interplaying pretty well with the wing and the, and the, and the midfield. And yeah, it was, I mean, if if you were to have never seen an intermatch and you didn't know who this guy was, watching just that match yesterday, you would have never thought that this is, you know, kind of a, a gamble start uh, by Inzaghi. Like, this is somebody who hasn't played too many matches, is, is fairly young and raw. Um, a lot of what we saw yesterday didn't really seem like that at all. So, yeah, props to him and props to Inzaghi for preparing him um he uh he looked the part he looked really good um and uh he played really well so you know i take nothing away from him that was that was quite a performance for 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 a young player hopefully it builds a lot of confidence up um i know our kind of defensive injury crisis is kind of getting better at this point because you know bastoni's back and pavard should be back uh in the next week or so but um what what an asset to have, right? If we can kind of use him in the rotation on on matches that aren't you know super intense or anything like that. And we talked about, a little bit about it in the last match um, that we played against uh, uh, Benfica, right? That like he started off a little a little uh, rocky, but in the second half of that match too, he uh, he looked pretty good. So it's clearly something's building with him. His confidence is up, and uh, the results are showing too. Yeah, I was. I was pretty impressed actually with Pisek in a sense that I think it requires a lot of uh, personality or ca- character for a young player to play like that mm-hmm. at Meazza because I don't think it's too easy to play there 
as a young player if you don't have like a super confidence since uh, I remember last season was uh, when Bellanova played for us and he started maybe a few match- matches there and I remember that he was a bit shaky and it, it it felt like it affected because the Meatsa crowd it's pretty it's not too forgiving in a sense that if you as like a new player, young player, if if you if you do something unusual, like expected from the team, expected from inter players, they react immediately. And I remember Bellanova doing some some stuff with which like immediately got the crowd's attention. And Bisek uh, yesterday he did a bit same kind of things in a sense that they could have gone like gone wrong but they didn't he he dribbled dribbled pretty nicely a few times and made some forward passes and so on so i i liked a lot also about in his performance how he he had the composure and and like the confidence to do do these kind of things because i think uh in inter team it's it's very important to keep the possession or unless you don't you don't keep it you like uh, you shouldn't be trying to do like too risky things especially as a defender and okay we know that the veterans they will do risky things sometimes and they even fail but as a young player i think it's a bit different so the uh they should play like the safe options you option usually but Bisek uh, like tried tried this uh, less less easier things and and he i think he he did very well did very well i liked it a lot yeah he had a few i, I think our friend called him bastoni ask he had a few runs into the box like i think in the 13th minute he put in a low cross that found DeMarco. DeMarco shot it with his right foot, so it didn't have any pace on it whatsoever. But still, he got a ball into an attacking-ish player in a dangerous position by running into the box, which is something Pavar is capable of. It's something someone like Skriniar maybe wasn't as capable of. So it just it makes the team a bit more fluid and well-rounded. I don't know if there's much more to talk about from the Udinese match. Obviously, Lotaro's goal at the end of the match was fantastic. Maybe the only real surprise for me in the game was that he played the full 90 minutes. I don't know if that's a testament to Sanchez's fitness or if Lotaro just felt rested and we wanted to get him 90 minutes, but just a little surprising given we have this big game coming up on Tuesday. Any thoughts you guys have on the substitutions used we saw sensi we saw aslani we saw quadrado by this point the game was pretty much in hands so i don't know if there was anything too noteworthy but any thoughts there yeah i can't believe he played sensi and not fratesi <laughs> what's the point of playing sensi <sighs> i yeah i've got nothing for you on that one yeah i was a bit surprised that um Inzaghi did play Lotaro the full 90 minutes. He also played Barella, I think, the full 90 minutes or, or close to it. Um, and so that was also a little bit surprising. But I, I suspect, you know, he 
he has that conversation or he he has that feeling going into the match um, on how well rested certain players are, um, and probably the the Benfica match helped them, you know, get a little bit of uh, breathing room uh, to be able to play against Udinese. Um, the other thing it it did remind me was that. I think Inzaghi, and I think we talked about this a little bit earlier in the season, Inzaghi's really tuned into the league. Like, he he's not really taking a lot of gambles um, when it comes to the league play. Uh, even uh, with us up, you know, 3-0, uh, I, th- I think he just was totally happy to not uh, take his uh, foot off the pedal at all and just make sure that the team sees out the result in, in any way possible. So, I, I think we're going to see that a little bit from Inzaghi going going forward. Even um, he's really not going to kind of compromise on the league at all. As for Fratesi, I saw I saw there was on TV. They showed how Inzaghi said something to Fratesi. It was pretty end of the match, maybe. I think all the all the subs were maybe made by that point, and uh, I feel like he he probably said something like like that uh, you're gonna get your chance next match or something I felt like it like um, I think it was already like 4-0 or 3-0 the match was over and putting in Fratesi I'm not sure would that like help anyone in a sense that Sensi is like a guy you can put in there and it's okay the game is over he, he he gets some minutes, but Fratesi, to me, uh, he feels like a. To me, he's, it feels he, he's like a player who you wanna put in when you you really need that tough tough guy there who who like either keeps the result or, or brings the result to you. And uh, in this kind of match, I didn't feel like. I really need to see Fratesi in this match, and maybe it's some other match when we want to use him. But obviously, it probably wouldn't have hurt anyone if he played. But maybe it was just kind of some some kind of a like a I don't know. Maybe Inzaghi just wanted to give Sensi some minutes since he he's like foreseen seeing it that since he won't be getting minutes in the future too much i don't know yeah, yeah. maybe not even on the champions league team sheet right like he's he's not even available on tuesday so maybe you like send him out there so you can waste minutes in a game that's effectively over yeah yeah, yeah he's, something, he's, something he's like, like the sensei is the the make-a-wish kid of Inter. <laughs> Yeah, I, I call it the human victory cigar. You you just put him out there and smoke it when you know the game's in hands. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I think Fratesi is probably one of those players who Inzaghi knows is going to get a lot of chances. Um, and he's frankly too kind of valuable to put in when you're up 3-0 and um, against a team that's, uh, what, like 16th or 17th in the league. Man, Udinese, are, they're bad. Like, they... Uh, I think more than anything that that was really shocking too. Like they're 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 pretty poor. They are, yeah. Um, and uh, they have one win, which um, no, I'll stop there. <laughs> <laughs> we we were speculating 
last episode whether Samarjic would get whistled or not. The answer was yes. He got whistled pretty heavily when he got sent off, and the, the few times he did touch the ball, so he solved that question. The last thing I want to end on for this match is just checking in with our resident design experts. Jay, thoughts on Transformers kits? <laughs> I mean, uh, it had potential, but I just think just like many things uh, at this club, off-pitch related, especially, we just kind of did a shit job of it. Um, like, as we, as we know, our jersey has these weird yellow trims, like the logos, but then like the sponsor logo is white. I don't know who is responsible for that decision, but I hope he's unemployed right now because I think it looks horrendous. Um, we could have done something like the the Transformers logo could have been in some kind of metallic, uh, you know, silverish. Um, what do you even call that? Like, if you guys have seen Chelsea's shirt, for example, their badges are this, and Roma has it as well. It's like this kind of reflective material, and it looks really, um, yeah, just futuristic and metallic and robotic. And I think that would have been cool, for example. But also, just like the the logo by itself, just in the middle of the shirt, <laughs> looked a little bit dumb. Um, but it was funny to see the players coming out into the pitch and like high fiving these transformers. You know what I mean? Now I was watching that going, "What? What, what is this?" But that was yeah. I, I like that more than the than the um, the shirt sponsor itself. I feel the reason I can the reason I feel we didn't do a great job of it was because it felt pretty negligible at the end of the day. You know, obviously what's on the shirt doesn't matter throughout the course of the game, but Every time I saw it, I was like, yeah, Transformers. Like, it could have been more, but yeah, let's not, you know, let's not worry about too much. I'm sure there's plenty of other, you know, B-grade action movie franchises that we'll adorn on our jersey throughout the season. Expendable 6 or something, you know what I mean? (laughs) I support the, like, idea of it, though, right? Of You have this corporate sponsor. They're your primary kit sponsor. So you take like this beloved by someone, I'm sure, not me, movie franchise, and you like try to turn it into a marketing bonanza. I saw there were actually a couple people dressed up in Transformer costumes at the game yesterday. Like, it's like being like in America, I've seen like these executed well. This was not executed well, but like, at least we're trying, I guess. Yeah, it was a really, really modest try, but. I feel like that modesty was not a choice. I feel like it was just a lack of, you know, lack of uh, execution uh, experience, lack of skill in how to deliver that kind of that kind of marketing campaign that or marketing um, gimmick that you'd want for uh, like a like an action blockbuster movie. You know, obviously the the marketing budget for Transformers. You know, the inter. Uh, into Udinese match was probably zero point zero three percent of their of their budget. You know what I mean, if not less. But <laughs> but yeah, as as you just kind of alluded to, it could have been somewhat. Even then, even though it was, it represents such a small amount of effort and money from the Transformers marketing budget. It still felt somehow disappointing. You know, it would have been nice to see you know Megan Fox in the stand wearing our kit or something. Um, or, or depending on your flavor, maybe 
Mark Wahlberg is sitting in the Sh- crowd. Shia, La- a, Shia LaBeouf, Shia LaBeouf yeah, Shia doing LaBeouf. the Latara <laughs> celebration, you know? Yeah. Or a little bit of, <laughs> a little bit of John Turturro action, you know? That would have been nice, too. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I agree. It's like it was a cool kind of gimmick, but um, it did kind of seem a little gimmicky rather than like a concentrated uh, marketing campaign of any sort. Uh, let me tell you something. We got... Megan Fox and her husband to go to an intergame. My girlfriend would finally be interested in the sport. <laughs> uh, okay, so before we dive into a real social ad, I just want you guys to reflect. So, what was your favorite parts of the three-two Atalanta win? Was it the Muriel backheel goal? Was it the Ketelara putting it across to Lookman to? tie up the game i'm just curious what was your favorite moments um it was the whole it was the journey it was it was the <laughs> the, the emotional roller coaster um because it's funny I, I didn't i didn't watch it live so like let's be real i'm talking shit but i watched the highlights after seeing that atalanta had won after seeing the score and even though I knew the score, it's it, it's kind of like I was following along in real time. Like the the highlights opened with Lookman delivering this cushioned header to Diketalara, who's literally two meters away from goal, and he just fucking skies it over the net into Rosette, and then he falls to his knees and puts his hands on his head. And like I said, even though I know Atalanta win the game at this point, you've got this feeling of oh my fucking god, you know they're missing chances like this, and they're going to give our hated rivals a you know, let, let them off the hook. But then, of course, um, Lookman um, scored and then Giroud and Jovic hit back and, and whatnot. And then that, that final goal, I knew that final goal was coming and I'd heard it was like, I'd read that it was like a amazing goal, but I didn't know what to expect. And then <laughs> to see that kind of back heel, <laughs> you know, was just, it felt really funny for some reason. So a perfect appetizer for our game, I think. Yeah, it was really strange. I went into that... I went to I went into our match and you know I was like traveling throughout the day just doing things and so for some reason I had completely not checked any of the scores or or anything like that and going into our match I had no idea that this match had even occurred so for me it was like being a kid at Christmas opening up presents I had no idea there's like this extra present waiting for me after such a nice win for us yeah, and then I like checked the scores um, and the standings, and then I saw that they had lost three two in the ninety fifth minute, and I was just like, I was blown away. Like the level of excitement that I had was extremely high. So, um, in all honesty, it was it was really really uh, it was really uh, fun uh, to see that occur after such a nice win by us. Yeah, it's like we were talking um, amongst ourselves before. Or after the game, it's like I'm worried about enjoying it too much. It feels like karma's going to come back and bite me. You know what I mean? I was just, I was just like the amount of Schadenfreude joy I was feeling from seeing Man United get humiliated, Arsenal lose, uh, Milan lose, and then us, you know, win. It was like I said, I, I felt I was like I was like I should be wrong to enjoy the you know, to enjoy this moment this much, but yeah, there we are. I may be more vindictive than I, than I realize. For, for me, the, the Milan, Milan match result 
it was like cool and the Muriel call that was awesome like super skillful stuff but for me Milan losing games like this it's not like a I don't consider them anymore like they are just like a nuisance to me at this point I don't I don't see them as as true rival anymore so they can do whatever they want now they decided to lose so that that's funny but not a biggie for me yeah, I guess my real takeaway from the match was, man, they would have just been run off the pitch if Skamaka was fit. Let's dive into Sociedad. Biggest Champions League match of the group stage coming up. We need a win. If we draw or tie, if we draw or lose, we're going to finish second in the group. Just to prime people for what this is going to look like. So right now, teams who are Guaranteed group winners include Bayern, Arsenal, Real Madrid, and City. Teams that are guaranteed runners-up are PSV, that German team whose name I'm not even going to pretend I can pronounce, Leipzig, Leipzig, whatever. So, basically... That's the worst one yet. I'm sorry, man. I just want to apologize to our listeners for letting you down on my German pronunciations. Okay, anyway, go on, go on. Anyway, my my point is you want to win this game if you want to give yourself a favorable group stage draw or knockout round draw. If you win, if you lose this game, you draw this game, you're likely going to be facing one of the top teams in Europe. If you win, you're going to be facing someone who you're going to be favored over. So those are the stakes. In terms of recent performance, Sociedad just drew Salzburg in the last Champions League match week, much as when we drew Benfica. So we're going in. All things squared, all things even. Like I said, so she did have the goals differential advantage. That's why they're kind of in the driver's seat here. But when we played them last time, they pressed us to death. They forced an early, I think it was Bastoni mistake, that led to us conceding a goal. And then we spent 80 minutes failing to string together a pass until we kind of got bailed out at the end with a somewhat undeserved equalizer and goal. I imagine it's going to look a little different this time around, playing at home. I'd be shocked if Sociedad had come out with the same intensity and game plan in an away fixture. I just can't imagine them pressing as as long, as successfully as they did last time. But you can't help but be nervous, right? I mean, this is a big one. Miko, how are you feeling going into it? I feel pretty good. I feel confident that we are like... Our game is so so on top at this moment that uh, we we control the ball well. If we don't control the ball, we can still defend well and then uh, hit the counters quite quite well as we did uh, did against uh, Napoli. And uh, I was I was trying to uh, prepare for this recording a bit by watching the. Uh, so she does last game against Villarreal, but I managed to watch only the first 40 minutes, and by that, by by then it was zero zero, and it didn't look like that they won zero three, but it didn't look like they, uh, that that's gonna be the result. 
it, it was pretty even even match. They they played four two three one, but they they were missing Orzabal in attack. Uh, I think I think he's I don't know is he a center forward or, or like a like some kind of flanked forward. I'm not sure, but I think he's one of the best players anyway. But they, they were missing him, but I think he's gonna be back for this match. But they then they're gonna miss uh Parenecea. He's he's their starting left winger. So I I understood he's injured. And then uh uh Bryce Mendes, who was very good against us and has been very good now in the beginning of the season for Sociedad he he was subbed out at 30 uh, like a half an hour in the VR match because he hurt his forearm I don't know what's the situation with that but it looked like he could might be missing the match I think that's pretty huge for us in a sense that he's he's been very good whenever I, I watch Sociedad he's been very like very effective and and all around there in their midfield or, or like his this kind of a offensive midfielder and uh i feel confident because we are missing some guys but they are probably going to miss few guys as well and as you mentioned uh the home match for us this has been has been usually very good good place for us uh especially when we are like focused not not like our only loss has been at home but it it was like a more like an accident at work than anything else so yeah i feel i'll feel confident that we are going to win this match but it's not gonna be easy because they They play the ball well, and they they have their players are like quite fast, uh, even with the ball on their feet. That they they can like trip triple with the ball even in their half and get out of the pressure and so on. So we're gonna we need to be sure not to like pressure uh, do the pressing. Do we need to do the pressing smartly in a smart way, or then just like concentrate on the on the defending our our half then and not not press too too much i think that's that's probably what we're gonna do but but let's see the big difference i want to call out in this match versus the last time we played sociedad is probably the composition of the lineup hakan was out injured last time we played them we i can't even remember this to be honest but we started an altovich which which tells you how much of an impact he had on that game. Because I can't remember a single positive thing he did. And then DeMarco also started on the bench. So the, the team is, maybe with the exception of Pavard, a bit healthier, or at least going to be fielding a stronger lineup than we did last time we played them. So that's one positive for us. Jay, tell me a bit more about our struggles against Spanish sides. I hate them. I hate them so much. I hate... Uh... I hate La Liga. There was a time I used to bet a lot in, um, on football, I mean, and I just found the, 
the, the style of play so boring. And yet I can't deny when they play in Europe, they just have this incredible ability to to just dismantle teams that they seemingly shouldn't have any chance against, you know. Uh, Sevilla is the crime, uh, sorry, the prime um, example of that in the Europa League. They're constantly taking bigger scalps, including our, including ourselves. Um, so, yeah, I, I never enjoy playing against Spanish teams, to be honest. And Sociedad look to have a similar kind of... Uh, similar kind of pedigree to them. They just look really, really strong um, this campaign in the Champions League and they're doing well in the league as well. Despite, I mean, the table, in the table, they're only fifth, but they've, I think they've only lost three games so far. I think it's like eight wins, five draws and three losses or something. Um, So they're doing well in their own league as well. And like I mentioned, they seem to take another step up when they, when they hear that Champions League music. So this is a really big test for us. Uh, it's not so much the players that are out. That's the, that, that is what concerns me. It's the, the stakes. Um, as you mentioned, the winner of this game gets a very uh, favorable draw to the next round. The set that, that um, runners up Paul is looking pretty pretty weak this time or this year, this season rather. Um where the where whereas there have been seasons where, you know, some bigger teams have not been all that great in the group stage, resulting in them finishing second unexpectedly, and next thing you know you've got uh group winners and group runners up with a mix of big names and, you know, the kind of smaller names. This season, I think it's pretty, it's pretty clearly divided. The big names are finishing first, and the sec and the kind of you know second tier names are finishing second. We want to be the big team, and we want to finish first, giving us a favorable draw for the next round. And it's also just a matter of um, just showing your authority, and that's something I keep calling for. That's something I keep uh, mentioning as a as like a kind of indicator or a symptom of of maturation and taking that next step to becoming a like a legitimate champion you know for all we've done under Inzaghi and the last couple of years everyone myself included uh is full of praise for basically everyone at the club not named Steven Zhang you know um we've managed to stay so strong on the pitch, uh, despite basically hacking our squad uh, to bits every every summer, um, selling key players, losing key players every summer, and despite that, we've won some continental, or sorry, some uh, domestic trophies, and we got to the Champions League final, and yet despite all this, we have not actually won the league under Inzaghi. So that's obviously the next step to really, well, that's like the missing, the missing piece, right? In this puzzle. But I feel like some of the other pieces in the puzzle are that ability to just go toe to toe with a strong, but slightly smaller opponent. And basically show that, you know, uh, whether bigger and stronger, uh, whether bigger and stronger club here, 
sociedad for as you know for as well as they've been playing in this group uh, i hate to say this because it sounds like i'm just you know being one of these uh, these one of the, these like dismissive epl fab boys who are you know on instagram commenting farmers league farmers league kind of thing but at the end of the day they're quote unquote only you know real sociedad and we need to approach this game with don't get me wrong we need the right humility to to work hard and to play with seriousness but at the same time we need to be able to say we're the we're the bigger team physically in every sense of the word more budget more um much higher wage bill we're playing some of the best football we've played in years we've got much bigger history obviously and this season we have much bigger ambitions as well we want to win the league they are most definitely not aiming to win their league and uh, they're probably dreaming of finishing fourth place again you know what i mean so the disparity between the two clubs the ambitions the history everything is huge and we need to for all their chirpiness and how good they've been it, it doesn't matter we need to make that irrelevant is what i'm saying we need to say yeah, you've done well, but now it's, you know, you've come this far and no more kind of thing. Yeah, completely agree. It's just th this is the time to assert yourself and prove you are what we think you are. Sociedad or Sociedaddy are, they're, like I said, they're fifth place in their table. This isn't Real Madrid. This isn't Barcelona. This is a team you're favored against. And, the, the tough thing about being Inter is that you're going to be favored in almost every game you play, bar a handful each season. And we, we had the chance to do something special here. When was the last time we just sailed through a group stage? You know, this would be, what, four wins, two draws through a group stage? That that would be, I honestly can't remember, even in Mourinho's years, we limped through the group stage, it felt like, and we're l lucky to squeak by. So this is uncharted territory and I just want to see us take it for once. Um, the, the other thought I had, and this isn't necessarily about that match, but just when was the last time we went head to head with Europe's bests and delivered the knockout blow? Like even in last year's competition, we played some Portuguese sides. We played Milan who we all agree were kind of lucky to be there. It, Sociedad aren't European royalty or European elites, but it would just be so great to see us just like finally take a team from what is probably the best league in the world, if I can say that, and just be the one who crushes their hopes and spears. I just, I just want to see it. Yeah, like a big, a champion beats who they're supposed to beat and gives a good fight against. Um other you know opponents of equal stature uh again not to rely too heavily on like the fighting analogies but it really is um a matter of small details so you know if you fight 10 fights you might win six lose four and that's fine to be honest uh if you know if your opponent is on the same level as you but you should be winning every fight against lower ranked opponents Again, I know it's not the same thing, obviously, between football and fighting, but yeah, let's beat the guys who we're supposed to. We did that last season, Porto, Benfica, Milan, etc. Uh, and we almost punched above our weight to beat Man City. Um, 
And so, you know, hopefully if we can continue that trend, hopefully we can give a really good game to some of these teams. Let's say we come up against a, I don't know, assume, well, we, we're guaranteed to go through the group anyway, but assuming, um, or let's say hypothetically, we, we draw like a, a Real Madrid or a Bayern Munich or something, we have to give them a big, a better game than we have in, in previous years. Uh, and should we, well, siding with Sociedad, uh, let's beat them because we're supposed to. And should we draw a, you know, a smaller team in the round of 16, we should beat them too. And I want to see this kind of thing because, again, these are the indicators of a team that's really, uh, that's a championship level. Yeah, um, it was well said about the stamping the authority. And I feel like maybe this, this situation we have that we need to win it could be even like better mental, uh, like mentality-wise for the team that they need to go for the win now. Uh, the draw won't be enough, so it will will be like uh, they they know what what's at stake and so on. So I, I feel it, it might be better better this way. Uh, but I wanna I wanna discuss more about this lineup we're gonna have because. I realized that what's gonna be our right flank, how it's gonna look like. Do you have any thoughts, guys? Pretty happy to go the same guys who played yesterday, Bisek and Darmian. I don't think Quadrado's fit to start yet, and to be honest, even if he was, I I don't really trust him to start. I, I like what I'm seeing from Quadrado when he's coming off the bench, and even then, sometimes like. What was that game? I think it was Benfica where he came off the bench and he was complete trash. He just kept, he just tried too much. You know, there are games where he comes off the bench and he tries things and it works. And then, you know, uh, what was the game he delivered an assist to Lautaro like quite recently? Um, but yeah, so to his credit, he tries things all the time, but it doesn't always come off. And in the, you know, on the days where it doesn't work, he can actually be a bit of a detriment because he's just, you know, constantly trying and constantly failing. So even if Quadrado was fit, I wouldn't start him, to be honest. Or So Dumfries doesn't seem to be back yet, as far as I know. I haven't heard anything about him. So I'm happy. I'm perfectly happy to play the same two uh, from yesterday, Bissek, uh with Darmian in front of him. Yeah, same here. I think that makes... Makes a lot of sense given the given the personnel. Um, going back to one quick point um, that you all were making about uh, this match, couldn't agree more. I think one of the things is, you know, we can't downplay the significance of it. Like, yes, we've already qualified, but I think one thing you're not going to hear from us whenever we record next is, in one way or another, that this wasn't a huge match, right? Like, oh, we're still okay. We drew or we lost. It's okay. Um, it's it's a huge match. Uh, it's the the implications for us, especially, are really important. So <clears throat> I think in in that sense, you know, Inzaghi is going to bring it. The other thing is, in the context, he he's so good at preparing the team for cup for cup matches for like cup ties and all this other sort of stuff. There really is something to to that, I think. And I think we're going to come out ready. Uh, had we not had the experience that we did the first time we played them, I'd be a lot more nervous. But I think we're going to come in ready and expecting them to kind of put their best uh, foot forward as well. And so I think we'll be ready. Being at home 
also I think will be huge. Um, one thing we didn't talk about uh, in the when we were talking about the Udinese match was just how much better uh, DeMarco seems to play when he's at the San Siro. I think he really just gets excited and just is is a lot more switched on. Um, and going back to the fact that when we last played them, um, you know, DeMarco wasn't playing and Hakan wasn't uh, playing. Uh, I think going with our kind of full squad, um, even though we have that uh, issue on the right side uh, with Bissek and um, Darmian, I think is going to put us in a much stronger position. So, yeah, on the right side, I think, you know, you go with Bissek again, um, definitely Darmian um, at right wing back. And then I think you uh, just kind of, I think you just kind of bring it to them. We need to, we need to be ready and we need to assert ourselves from the very beginning. Um, We just, we can't concede first. Um, And as long as we do that, as long as we play our match, I think we'll be able to get a really good result um, uh, and uh, look forward to getting a, hopefully another favorable draw um, going forward in the Champions League. There's this, Uh, Go ahead, Miko. Uh, yeah, I was, I was about to mention Pastone that it was so refreshing to see him back because the difference between him and Acherby on that left center back position is is massive. Like we, we talked about Acherby before in that position. And man, Pastone is so much more like fluid and it, it looks so much better when he's there. And I, I'm I'm really happy that he's he's back now. And he was he was even like he was subbed out le- yesterday just just for the uh, like probably for preparing uh, preparement for the of the Sociedad match. That's he, he's been out like what three weeks now. So so but yeah, it was it was great to see him on the left flank left flank, and I think it will help help Demarco's game as well. Yeah, I was just gonna say that. I feel like no one was happier to see Bastoni back in his position than Demarco. The only point I wanted to make on Sociedad was, I think the the kind of middle tier of Spanish teams, maybe outside of Sevilla, all play this similar style where there's lots of passing. There's this emphasis on trying to control the ball. And really, that's what Sociedad did to us in the first half of the game we drew. It felt like they were the ones searching themselves. They were the one trying to turn the screw. But there's always this lack of final products with these teams. There hasn't been an elite crop of Spanish strikers and uh, 10, 15 years now since the, like the Via era. And as a result, like if, if you play these Spanish teams and you don't make mistakes, I think you can keep a clean sheet pretty easily. They, they just aren't great at being lethal around the nets. Like Sociedad don't have a player like Lataro who's a killer in the box, who you're afraid of them getting the ball in a dangerous spot. It's just, it's, it's not nearly as lethal of a team. So the the one thing that scares me about starting BSEC, someone with less experience, is that I feel like the only way Sociedad score a goal in this match is an individual error through us. Like, I, I just can't... I don't think they're going to have much success breaking us down if we play... You know, if, if Pavar was here and we were playing our A game defensively. Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably true. 
One of the things that is interesting is um, as much as they dominated us in that first match, it really was a Bastoni uh, mistake. Let's not rewrite history and put it on Aslani or anything. It really was a Bastoni mistake that ended up, um, you know, resulting in their goal. And absent that, even though they played really well, like you said, Andrew, like they didn't end up scoring uh, otherwise. And so I think it's one of those situations where you're right. Like we just have to play our game. Um, and, and, you know, one of the other things I think as Inter fans that we can sometimes downplay a little bit is probably how intimidating it is for other teams um, to come to the San Siro and play us. Uh, I, I do think, you know, in, in the league, I feel like the team's, you know, play us every year. So even smaller teams um, are probably a little bit more used to playing at the San Siro. But when it comes to like some of these European teams, uh, I'm sure it's a little intimidating when they come and uh, they play at probably one of the best stadiums, you know, in the world. So I think that'll play into our benefit. I'm sure there'll be a little bit of awe uh, coming from uh, Real Sociedad, but I, I agree. Like they, they, as good as they are, pressing and just being like a nuisance and being like a really annoying team. They're not the kind of team that typically has the type of like individual forward skill to, you know, make something out of nothing. They're, they're good at capitalizing on mistakes, but um, they're not going to do much more than that, hopefully. So uh, unfortunately though, I, I don't know who else we can really play in that position other than Bissek. So I think right now you're probably going to see him, start because if you put darmy on there then the problem is you'd have to put quadrado um for 90 minutes on that other side um as wing back and i think that's going to be a, a bridge too far for Inzaghi probably all right let's quickly dive into lazio for the sake of moving things along we play lazio next weekends we have not played well against Lazio under Inzaghi. I don't know if it's like a former manager playing his former team curse thing going on, but especially at the Olympico, we've struggled against Lazio. I'm sure all of you remember fondly last year's beatdown where somehow we allowed Felipe Anderson, Luis Alberto, and Pedro to score. Just truly the trifecta of players who I feel like never play well unless it's against us. It's... This this form of Lazio has not played very well. Immobile is not scoring goals at the clip he used to score goals. The, the other attacking players in the squad really have just gotten older and less effective. Like This Lazio team just feels like it's kind of at the end of the cycle and needs a refresh. The, the real danger man... Or the the player I'm most fond of in their team right now is probably Zakani, who is their left winger. He, I think, is a former Verona player, maybe, and he's, I, I think, he's a good attacker, and he's someone who I, I have a lot of respect for. <sighs> Felipe Anderson always plays well against us. I assume he's going to be the starting right winger. So, I don't know. I'm just I'm I'm scared because Nzagi has looked so poor against Lazio as manager of Inter, for whatever reason, he has just hasn't been able to get over this hurdle. I think he has two losses to them at the Olympico in two seasons here with this third match coming up here also at the Olympico. 
it, it's been a struggle. Jay, thoughts on why Inzaghi just can't seem to beat Lazio back in Rome? Still, still in love with him, probably. Um, no, to your point, it's been just back and forth since uh, since Inzaghi came to the club. Uh, since he has become manager of um, Inter, actually. Um, no, that's not trim up. Yeah, we sorry, that, no, that is right. We've just traded results. We beat them three one, then they beat us three one. We beat them two one, then they beat us three one. So and, and these are all, you know, the home team is always the victor. So, you know, if if tradition is to be upheld, then we're gonna lose three <laughs> one. Um But as you said, this is not the same Lancio as as the even last year, you know, they lost their best player in Milinkovic Savic. They're relying heavily on Luis Alberto and uh, what feels like the 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 death rattle of players like Pedro Immobile and um, to his credit, Felipe Inzaghi is keeping it together fairly well. Zaccagni is doing what he can, what he can, but yeah, I don't think any of these guys are, you know, um, I don't think any of these guys are able to play at the level of that. Alberto Immobile uh, SMS kind of trio at their at their best, you know what I'm saying, right? Um, Lazio ninth or something. They even yesterday they they were in the league yeah they're against... ninth they're ninth place and they actually they also have a do or die Champions League game midweek, I believe. No, no, no. They 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 qualified. They qualified. Um, Aren't so they, they still fighting to like win? But it's like they're fighting to win the group, right? Like they need to win to win the yeah, group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. But um, I mean, realistically, you know, what I mean? <laughs> realistically, it's pretty hard for them to win the group anyway. Um, they're going away to Atletico Madrid, so there's only yeah, you're right. There's only one point difference, but you know, going away to Simeone's Atletico Atletico Madrid side is going to be difficult. Um, but they have already qualified. Sorry. Um, so they're doing well in the continent. Um. Providell scoring that winner or oh, that equalizer was was fantastic. Wow. Yeah. Um but yeah, what can I say in the league they have been nothing but a disappointment. Ninth place in the league. Uh they keep just dropping points against these teams that they really should be beating. Like yesterday against Verona, they they were 1-0 up and then they they dropped points. Uh they're barely scoring. They barely beat Genoa in the in the Coppa Italia um, midweek, and they barely beat Cagliari, who are twentieth place um, or nineteenth place the week before. So, and then they, and then the week before that, they lost to Salernitana two one. So they're not scoring goals. If I go through their last couple of results, it's like one 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 nil one nil two nil win two one loss nil nil draw. One win, sorry, one uh, one zero win, one nil loss, one nil win. So like they're not scoring at a rate of more than a goal per game in the last like ten games. They've signed that guy. Uh, his name's like Castileos or something, but he was Castianos. Castianos, and he has the the nickname Tati or something, Chachi or something um, on his shirt number. But that guy has not really been. You know, he hasn't taken the mantle from Immobile, uh, particularly convincingly. And this Immobile is just 
shocking. Like I was convinced last season was, you know, oh, he's on a pretty steep decline, but I've never been more convinced watching him play this season. He looks like he's just completely finished. Like, you know, we, we used to joke that Jekko was finished, but, you know, if Jekko was finished, then this Immobile is, should be retired. He's, he's so far gone. He looks completely unfit. He looks like he's lost that sharpness. He, even like his technique and his finishing, his, his composure seems to have just completely gone out the window. I think he's only scored like one or two goals this season, maybe uh, we'll say two, three, four kind of thing. Yeah, he has four goals, and I just want to add, he's openly speculating about moving to Saudi Arabia in January. Exactly, exactly. So even he knows he's kind of um, – so well, like that indicates to me that even he's feeling it. He's feeling I can't do it at this level anymore. And you know what? Honestly, credit to him <laughs> for, for uh, acknowledging that sooner than most do. But, yeah, he's not looked good this season they have not looked good but, this season and this is you know just a i promise i'll stop comparing everything to that to the juventus match like i did napoli and now this one but forget the history of the fixture forget the fact that inzaghi has struggled at lazio forget that we've struggled at the olympico the opportunity is there you know we normally struggle against lazio because lazio are normally good this time they are not good. They are terrible. They're dropping points like crazy. They're giving them away for free. Correspondingly, we are doing fantastically. So history needs to just, we need to just say, fuck off. We don't care about history. We don't care about previous results. So that it's a tough ground historically, any of that. We just need to take the opponent for what they are, which is an underperforming team full of aging uh, players who are not clicking and failing to score and just go in there and dismantle them. That's it. Like no excuses. Why this like blatant, unprovoked attack on Jekko, Miko? I know you have something to say about that. Yeah, that, that was pretty gross. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> but Immobile has actually three Champions League goals as well. See, he like secured the qualification in the against Celtic, so there's that. But yeah, he, he hasn't been great. Uh, uh, for me, I think this match, I would like to like call for an for a trap game for Inter because we have the Champions League match and 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 so on. But the thing is that Lazio has the Champions League match as well. And it's like a one day later and it's an away game for for them so the traveling and everything. So maybe we can we can see from the starting lineup of that Atletico Madrid match, how serious they're gonna take that match if they have like Luis Alberto and and the, and the first team guys there, then I think that we should absolutely. I mean that of course we we should beat Lazio. They've been terrible, like you you guys have mentioned, but. But if they like take the Atletico match seriously, there's no way we shouldn't beat them. And I, I, I don't see any trap game coming for us next Sunday. But, but if they are going with the, like a bench, bench players against Atletico, then, then the focus is is for the Inter match, and then it's a bit different because for us the Champions League match is the is the game for this for this week and then 
I could see like a some kind of a blowout for us then, as we I think we haven't been like super great after these midweek matches. Uh, but but as said, Lazio has that as well. But if they if they focus mostly on the intermatch this week, then it might give us some problems. But even still, uh, it's more likely we we will win win the match. I think. I, I, I don't also I don't see the history side in this one because they, as Jay mentioned, they they lost the best player and so on, and they've been. They haven't been great this season, so yeah. Yeah, I don't have I don't have much to add to that, Miko. I think um, all of what you all said makes a lot of sense. I just I hate Lazio. I hate playing them because I just immediately feel uncomfortable. And I never think that their players are really that good. I hate their players. Um, it's just it's it's an annoying nuisance of a match for me whenever we play them. I just. I just can't think of a fixture that I generally dislike more than us playing Lazio. And this was even before kind of Inzaghi's time. I just, they're, they're just always this like really annoying kind of team to play. Um, also because, you know, they're also one of those teams that will disproportionately play well against us than they will against our rivals. And it just makes me extremely frustrated uh, when teams do that. So I, I don't really have much to add. I don't think it should be a trap game. Like you mentioned, I think, we're pretty switched on and they're playing in the midweek as well. So, you know, unless we come off of some like really nice high win against Sociedad, like we just crushed them or something. Um, and then we have this like massive emotional letdown going into the match against uh, uh, Lazio. Um, I don't think we're going to have too much trouble. We should dispatch them um, pretty well. I'll say one thing. Matthias Vecino. <laughs> hey, this is the first time in forever we don't have to watch Inzaghi trot out Juan or Roberto Gallardini under the guise of trying to man mark SMS. So we have that going for us. <laughs> uh, Mika, I was cracking up over here because you were talking about Lazio maybe not playing their best lineup against Atletico. I saw Lazio drew Verona this weekend. I think it was a 10 man Verona. And I was like, oh, obviously Lazio didn't roll out their full strength starting 11 to prepare for this Atletico Champions League fixture. And you check the lineup and nope, that was pretty much Lazio's full length team that went and drew one of the five worst sides in Syria. So So there you go. (laughs) I can't tell you what their plan is. I can just tell you we need to win. All right, let's. Put a wrap on this. I guess we'll do double predictions for Sociedad and Lazio. Irfan, what do you got for me? Oh, man. Um, Against Sociedad, I'm going with a 2-0 interwin. I think it'll be a little cagey, but I think we'll we'll come out winners. Uh, I'm going to give the goals to Lotaro, and I'm going to give another goal to Barella. Going to go Lotaro, Barella, 2-0 against Sociedad. Lazio, just an annoying piece of crap, 1-0 win, or I guess 0-1, Miko, uh, win against uh, Lazio. Uh, and I'll go with uh, a cheeky Taram goal for that one. Miko? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, with 3-1 against Sociedad. 
I think it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough match, but we it will be draw at some point. But we 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 get the we get the goals we need, and we we have a good match. And uh, then as for the Lazio, I think it's zero to we have a like a basic performance. Lazio is not in a good shape at this moment, so so zero two and goals. Well, um, as for Sociedad goals, I'll go with uh, Lautaro, Turam, and uh, and Mikitarian, and then for the Lazio, it's gonna be Lautaro again, and then Chalhanoglu, probably a penalty. Jake. I think we beat Sociedad 1-0. Uh, Chalan only scores. I think we get destroyed in the game, uh, but we'll hold on for a 1-0 win with a Chalan on a penalty. Um, Lazio, I'm going to want Lazio. Um, we have one goal to Taram and two goals to Luis Alberto. You know, what's a little... Uh, what's Christmas without inter-drama? You know what I mean? So <laughs> This fucking guy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Inter, Inter loves to give us some some Christmas gifts every now and again. So, um, yeah, looking forward to this one. I think we beat Sociedad. I'm also going 1-0 just because Sociedad have a need and probably a path to playing for a draw. They only need one point, right? So I could see them trying to absorb some more pressure and maybe taking less initiative. So I think it's going to be us trying to break them down for the majority of the game. We will get home. I'll take a DeMarco goal. Yeah, I'm predicting a loss against Lazio. It One, just Nzagi's <laughs> track record. Two is every time I watch Philippe Anderson play against us, he scores. And three is because one of my true just core memories of an Inter fan is a December fixture against Lazio where Felipe Melo decided to scissor kick somebody in the head. Who, exactly. who, do you remember Do you remember which player that was? Was that like Bia or whatever his name is? I think you might be right. I think it might have been Lucas Bilio. Yeah, for future, future Milan fan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, yes, yeah, so I'm predicting a 3-1 3-2 three, three, loss to Lazio, where the floodgates open, because this is just what happens in December against Lazio. Uh, all right. Well, on that optimistic note, let's go ahead and wrap this up. We'll be back next week breaking down both these games. We'll also preview the Champions League draw and let you know who we want, who we don't want, based on whether or not we're in kind of the, the winner's tier or the runners-up tier. So thanks for listening, everyone. Appreciate it. And uh, see you all next week. Catch you later. Thanks. Yep. Thanks all. Thank you.